How many of you watched the Olympics this last summer? Any? Did you watch it? There was a really uh, a pretty girl, lady from the Netherlands named Daphne Shippers. Did any of y'all remember watching her run? She's a sprinter, and she's very fast. In fact, she came into the Olympics. They had hoped, or she had hoped, that she would win the 100 meters and the 200 meters, but she didn't. She came in fifth in the 100 meters and second in the 200 meters. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was, like, in a preaching competition and I got the silver medal for the second greatest preacher in the world, that's pretty good. But she went home disappointed. And here's what the, the expert said, that her starts are what keep her from the ultimate success. Now, I want to go on record as saying that if I was racing her in the 100 meters, that she could fall at the starts, be knocked out, lay there two minutes, get up, drink a Powerade, stretch, and still beat me, okay? I'm going on the record with that. So she's extremely fast, but the thing that kept her maybe from winning the gold medals were her, her starting, because when you're racing with people who are all about the same speed, and someone doesn't get a good start out of the blocks, that can cost you a a gold medal. Well, this morning we're beginning our sermon series on finding your best life, finding the life God has for you, finding the place that God wants you to be, where you're going to be fulfilled and in your zone, and and we're going to talk about the start. Now, here's the great thing. If you've already messed up your start in life, you can restart today, but you need to start right, and all of these things are involved in the start. Let's begin this. We're in Joshua chapter 1, if you have your Bibles. God has some great plans for your life. Isn't that good news? You know, I I think when I was young, especially when I was a teenager, I didn't, either the preachers didn't preach it or I didn't hear it. God has great plans for your life. In verse 1 and 2, the story begins. It says, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun. Now, I always like that, the son of Nun. Either he didn't have a daddy or he was kin to Mary, right? (laughs) Mary, Nun. They got it a little bit. First service, it was right over the head. He was Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I am giving them. Moses was a great leader. He's dead. They had mourned him for 30 days, and now it's time to get up and to move forward. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to lick your wounds. There's a time to look back. There's always a time to be learning from what happened in the past. But at some time, you've got to decide that you're going to move forward. Listen to me. This morning, God wants you to move forward. God wants you to move forward. Verse 3 and 4, it talks about this land. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I'm giving you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates rivers in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including the land of the Hittites. Now, I want to show you on a modern-day map, give you a little idea of what the promised land was. This is, uh, this is modern-day Israel here, which it's just tiny. And, and the promised land would have included Israel. It would have included Jordan. This is Saudi Arabia. It would have included uh, probably what I'm bordering here. There's Kuwait right there. It would have, it would have uh, taken in Kuwait, part of Iraq, and part of Syria, and Lebanon there. So that, that was the, uh, that's a modern-day picture of this place. God had a place for them. 
In fact, God had a place for them 40 years earlier, but they choked and they didn't obey God. They didn't follow God and they missed it. Some of us here are 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old, and we've been on the wrong side of the promised land for too long. And today's a day to decide to get on the right side of the promised land. You young people, here's the cool thing. You don't have to wander in the desert 40 years. You make a decision this morning that you're going to move forward with God to the promised land. It's going to be a place where it's going to be a lot of problems. But the, the Bible describes it as a place of milk and honey. Now, that may not mean much to you, but to an agricultural person, that meant it, it was a place of abundance. It was a place with very fertile soil. There were wild animals. In other words, this is going to be an awesome place. Can I tell you something today? God's got great plans for your life. I mean, you can fiddle. You can play on your phone. You can ignore the next 40 years and miss it. But God has great plans for your life. Did you know, here's the first thing, God wants you to go to heaven. Is that not a good plan? No, pastor, we would rather burn in hell forever. Yes, heaven is a great option, isn't it? 2 Peter 3, 9, listen to what it says. It says the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but everyone to repent. God wants you to go to heaven, but here on earth, listen, God wants you to find a life where there's joy, where there's satisfaction, where there's fruitfulness and effectiveness. In other words, God wants to, wants to put you in a spot in your life where your life matters and when you're in your zone. Isn't that great? That's what God has for you. God has a place for you. God has a best life for you. That's where we begin. It begins with God. Listen, by the way, this wasn't, this wasn't Moses' plan or Joshua's plan. It was God's plan. You say, well, I've got a lot of plans for my life. Whatever your plans are, they may coincide with God. But I want to tell you, God's plans for your life are far greater even than your plans are for your life. That's exciting. That's what God, that's where we begin. Here's the second thing, and this is really important too. Not only does God have plans with, for you, but God's going to be with you every step of the way. God promises he's going to be with you every step of the way. Now, here's the problem. God told them, man, I want to take you to this promised land. It's going to be wonderful. It's a place of abundance and fulfillment. This is where you're going to find your joy and happiness. You've been playing over here on the wrong side of the street. When you cross the river and you begin to follow me, that's where you're going to be fulfilled. But by the way, 40 years earlier, they did not go in this land Because when they sent out spies, they came back and they said, there's giants there. They said, we look at those people and we look like grasshoppers compared to them. There's fortified cities. These people are mean. These people are tough. In fact, even to get to the land, we're going to have to cross a major river during flood stage. In other words, not any of this stuff that following God is just going to be easy street, ice cream, no calories all the way. It was going to be difficult. Wonderful, but difficult. You need to understand that today. God's not calling you to a life of ease. God's calling you to a life of victory. God's not calling you to a life that everybody else is going to say, oh man, that makes sense to me. He's calling you to a life. People are going to resist it. People are going to fight against it. But he's calling you to the next level, to your promised land. And, but, but God says, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. That's the great thing. Look in verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you. I'm going, that, that preposition with means I'm going to accompany you. 
I will not fail you. I'm not going to abandon you. That word fail means I'm not going to be remiss. He's telling Joshua, he's telling you, I'm not going to drop you. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to loosen my grip on you. I'm not going to leave you behind. I'm not going to let you go. Verse 9. This is my commandment. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Friend, and we're going to see more in a moment. Joshua was having probably some shakes here. I don't know if they had anti-anxiety medicine at that point, but he was looking for some. And God said, Joshua... You bet it's going to be tough. See, God's honest with us. You bet people are going to resist it. You bet the people in that land that you've got to go in and overthrow because they're wicked people, they're not going to just lay down and let you do it. You're going to have to stand up and fight. But but Joshua, I'm God and I'm going with you. You see, when you decide to follow God, you may have to Break up with somebody you're comfortable with. You may have to move away from your parents. You may have to switch careers. You may have to move halfway across the world. There's a lot of unknowns and scaries in following God. Remember, that's where success is. In in the old days, hundreds of years ago, when they would make maps, and and, and many of you have seen these old maps, they're they're fun to look at because they, they don't include a whole lot of the world today. They just had to map out, obviously, what they knew. And some of the old maps literally... When they would get to a part where they didn't know what lied lied beyond, whether it was in the ocean or on the the land, they would write on the map, beyond this, dragons. (laughs) They didn't know what it was. There's got to be dragons out there. We don't know what's there. Folks, I want to tell you, not literally, but figuratively, there's dragons ahead. But you know what? Your God is a dragon slayer. Your God can, anything you're going to face, your God is greater When I was growing up, my best friend was Carl, and Carl was two years older and a lot bigger. And Carl was really tough, and Carl beat people up. And my wife asked me, did you have to fight much when you were growing up? I said, no, I was with Carl. (laughs) And when Carl was with me, I felt secure. Shouldn't we feel that much more secure knowing God's with us? Every step of the way. I remember hearing this years ago. Someone was talking about, man, my life's tough. Things are hard. It's bad. And the the response was, it never gets too hot in the kitchen for God. God ain't going anywhere. God's not going to fail you. God's got plans for your life. It's going to cause you to have to push yourself. You can't sit where you are and get to be where you need to be. But God promises this. I will be with you every step of the journey. Isn't that great? Here's the third part of this. God not only has a plan and he promises his presence, God gives us a perfect book to live by. God gives us a playbook, a rule book to live by. We call it the Bible. How does God speak today? I think God speaks in several ways. More than this, but I think generally God speaks through the Holy Spirit. That's that voice in your heart that that tells you you need to make a decision, you need to join this church, you need to move again halfway across the world. The Holy Spirit gives you specific things about your life. God speaks through preachers, hopefully teachers, and that would be through the Word and through the Holy Spirit. 
But the Bible is God's perfect, clear boundaries on how he speaks. Folks, God's never going to lead you against the Bible. God, God gives us this as his rule book to live by. Look in verse 7, what he tells Joshua. Be strong and courageous and be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Don't deviate from, the, from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Be careful means to be diligent. And he says to obey. Now listen to me. The whole purpose of a sermon, a Bible study, a lesson, reading your Bible, is that you do what it says. The Pharisees in Jesus' day were the, were the greatest Bible scholars there was. S- some people believe they had memorized the first five books of the Bible. Wow. Go home today and start trying to memorize numbers. You'll quit quickly. The problem was is they didn't practice it. The whole purpose is you read the Word and you live out the Word. Now, the book instruction for them was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible. We got 66 books. Isn't that great? Look again in verse 8. In verse 8, it says, study this book of instruction. That's his Bible. Continually. Meditate on it day and night. So you will do and obey everything written in it. Only when you obey it will you prosper and succeed. The word meditate's a great word. It means to ponder or it means to mutter. It's like something's on your mind and you're, you're thinking about it and you're talking about it. Packers are going to beat the Cowboys. Packers are going to beat the Cowboys. Packers are going to beat the Cowboys. Uh, or hopefully it's more spiritual things like God loves me and John three sixteen and things like this. To meditate is to dwell on something. Here's two good illustrations on what God wants you to do with the Bible. When God says meditate, the word meditate is like a cow chewing its cud. Do you know anything about cows chewing their cud? It's really gross, but it's really cool. And it's an ability I wish that I had. A cow, a cow, follow me, you'll agree. A cow can go and eat a bunch of grass. Chews on it, swallows it. Three hours later, it goes, hey, I'm hungry, but I'm lazy. I don't want to get up again. So it just burps, and here comes the grass. It chews on it again, and then it swallows. And you see, here's my thought. If I could do that with ice cream, there's only calories once, right? (laughs) So you have two bowls, one one bowl of cat, right? Isn't that my thinking? That's what meditation is. Meditation is you chew on it, you swallow it, you bring it back up, you chew on it again. It's the picture of someone tending a garden. Now, my dad was a college administrator who wanted to be a farmer. And he failed at being a farmer, but he played farmer at home. And we always had a garden. I hate gardens. That's why we have grocery stores today. And so you don't have to have a garden. But, but the garden was the way you tortured children when I was growing up. And so, so, but here's what I know. You can't plant corn. You can't go out in April and just throw out some seeds and come back in September and go, well, where's the melons? They're not going to be there. I mean, you've got to plant them properly. You've got to get the soil ready. You've got to make your kids and your grandkids get out there and hoe it and chop it and spray it and work it. And then in September, you've got to eat it because you've spent all that time. It, it, you've got to be diligent. So that's what God's saying with the Word. That, that he gave Moses five books. He's given us the whole Bible Take it in and live it out. If you're taking notes, you you ought to write this down. The Navigators is a discipleship group. They came up with a way to to, to use the Bible, I mean, use it in a good way, that I think is so well. Using your five fingers, here's what they said, the proper way to take in the Word of God. Number one, you hear it. You hear it consistently. 
then you read it. I challenged you last week to read your Bibles. Don't speed read, but slowly read. Let's just say you're doing your New Testament this year. One chapter a day. You just you read it. You take it in. Number three, you study your Bible. What does that mean? Here's how I study my Bible. I read my Bible, but then I'm going to read through the New Testament this year. One chapter a day. But I'm studying through my Bible all the time. If you're new at this, just start in Matthew. If you're an old Christian, start in Genesis. Read, read five or six verses a day. Read them slow. Underline. Have a notebook with you. Check it, stuff that jumps out. Read it again. It'll take me five years to read through the New Testament that way. It takes about eight or nine through the Old Testament. But you're, you're hearing it, you're reading it, you're studying it, you're memorizing it, and you meditate on it. You've got to, you've got to know what the book says before you can obey the book. Would you agree with that? This is, the Bible gives you your boundaries. God says, I have a plan for you. Listen to me. I want to give it to you. I'm going to be with you every step of the way, and I'm giving you a rule book to follow. By the way, if you don't play by the rules, don't expect God to bless you. You play by the rules, you're going to be out. You're going to be disqualified. Hank Aaron, Henry Aaron, was was the great home run leader who took over Babe Ruth's record in the 1970s. And there's an interesting story told about him in, ni- in the mid-1960s. He's batting. The, he's playing for the Milwaukee Braves then, not the Atlanta Braves. And they're playing the St. Louis Cardinals, and he hits a home run. I mean, it's a clear home run over the fence, no questions about it. He begins to run around the base, and the, the umpire at home plate calls him out. What do you mean he's out? <laughs> you know, nobody caught the ball. It was a home run. How, how can you be out on a home run? Well, he stepped out of the batter's box when he hit the ball. You step out of the batter's box when you hit the ball. It doesn't matter if it's a home run, it's a bun. If it's a single, it's a triple. You're out. He lost that home run. And see, a lot of us, we go, man, and this is good. We're saying, God's got plans for my life. That's great. God's going to be with me. I need God with me. But we're not obeying the book. And, and in our society today, I, this is so weird. Ten years ago, I wouldn't have dreamed it. But when you start telling people they've got to follow the Bible, they freak out. But you've got to follow the Bible if you want God to be involved in it. And the Bible is going to give you your root, your foundation for God's plans. George Washington Carver was a brilliant scientist and a wonderful Christian. He spent his whole life studying the peanut. I love the peanut, but after about three minutes at Logan's, I'm done with the peanut for a week. He spent his whole life. He was a genius. He was asked when he was an old man, Dr. Carver, what book, now listen, this is really neat, what book helped you understand the peanut more than anything else? He said, that's easy, the Bible. The guy knew enough about the Bible. He said, Dr. Carver, the Bible doesn't mention peanuts. He said, oh, no, but the creator of the peanut is the author of the Bible. And the more I got to know the creator of the peanut, the more I got to know about peanuts. That's pretty deep, but it's right on target. Teddy Roosevelt was our 26th president. He said, a thorough knowledge of the Bible is better than a college degree. I would encourage you to get both. Have a college degree, but learn your book. Learn the book. And I want to throw out one little warning here. The children of Israel never fully accomplished what God wanted them to. Never did. Never took all the promised land. You know why? They didn't follow him. They didn't obey him. I told my daughter I was going to tell a story about her, but it's true about a lot of parents. It's true about my kids growing up. 
I was never going to abandon my kids. They're my kids. I love them. I was going to be there for them. But you know what? When my kids got in trouble, when they stepped outside of the rules, when they didn't do what they should have, I was going to go. I was going to be at the principal's office, the parole officer's office. I'm teasing, Alicia. I was, I was going to be there. But you know what? If you're not going to do what's right, I can't bless you. I can't give you more freedom. I, I, can't, I can't honor that. I can't reward that. I can't brag on that. I can love you, but, but you limit yourself. And see, God's not going to fail you. But if you don't want to play by God's rules, he's not going to make you. He's just not going to prosper you. You're not going to have success. It says in verse 8, the only way you will have success, that's not health and wealth, but that's God's blessing, is if you obey and follow him. So we get a plan. We got God's presence. We got a book to live by. And here's the fourth thing. Here's the big challenge we end on. I've got to step out and courageously follow God. You can sit all day and you can strategize, you can theorize. But look in verse 2, what God says. Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving. Listen, here's what God said to Joshua. Hey, we've got it all figured out. But in a couple of days, you've got to grab your boots and you've got to move forward. You've got to get going. And Joshua just like you and me, apparently is scared to death. In verse 6, it says, be strong and courageous. That word strong means be stout. Courageous means be bold. For the one who will lead these people to possess all the land, I swore to their ancestors, I will give to them. Let's look in verse 9. This is my command, be strong and courageous. In other words, decide that you're going to do this. Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Three times, verse 6, verse 7, and 9, three times in four verses, God stops and he says to Joshua, Hey, buddy, get ready. Get strong. Toughen up. Why did he do that? Real common sense why he did it, because Joshua was scared. Joshua was afraid. Well, preacher, you don't know that. Why did God repeat himself three times in three verses saying the same thing? Because Joshua was just like you and me. I think he was ready to obey, but he was going, man, there's dragons out there. I don't know if we can do this. These Jewish people behind me, are, they've been cowards. They have not been helpful. And there's giants and there's walls and there's fortified cities. Man, I don't know. God and God saying, Joshua, it's time to move. If you're ever going to do something with your life, you've got to decide you're going to Stand up, get up, and get going. And folks, I want to tell you, that's what you got to do this morning. You're at one of two places if you're at a Christ, as a Christian. You know what God's telling you to do, and you need to man up and woman up and do it. Or maybe you don't know specifically, but you need to say to God, God, whatever it is, I will do it. That's what God wants to hear this morning. And it takes courage. Brandon, I mentioned Brandon earlier. Where's Braden? Braden, is Braden, raise your hand, Braden. Braden, uh, Braden Ramsey, I'm sorry. We have 18 Bradens here, thank you. Braden Ramsey, you didn't know this about your parents, about how they got engaged, but I'm going to tell you this morning. When, when Marcy, your mom, was about 20, her dad called a bunch of local men over to, uh, to see who would be a suitable husband. And he's got a swimming pool. 
And he filled that swimming pool with alligators and crocodiles, cottonmouths and piranhas. And he got these men on one end of the pool, the opposite end of the pool from the diving board. And he said to them, he said, whoever will dive in this water and swim to the other end successfully can have my daughter. They can have my house someday when I die. They can have all my wealth. You didn't know your, your granddad was a multi-billionaire, Braden. They can have all my wealth and my homes all over the world. All of a sudden, they heard a splash. And they looked, and Brandon was swing, swimming breakneck speed to the other side of the pool. And he jumped out at the diving port, breathing heavy, looked angry. While everybody went over there, Marcy's dad, and they said, wow, you know, you're, you're going to get Marcy. Uh, and we're excited. Brandon, man, what are you thinking? I mean, what courage? And Brandon shook for a minute. And he goes, I want to know who pushed me. <laughs> I want to push you this morning. Some of you need it. God has something for you. It's going to take courage. I'm afraid. It's not courage if you're not afraid. I've said this before. I can go to any element, any any elementary school in town invite the toughest second grade girl there is next week and have no fear (laughs) if we go to grambling or tech's football locker room it'll be a different matter (laughs) sure the only reason you need courage is if you're afraid here's the definition of courage courage is i'm afraid and i go ahead anyway courage is i'm afraid and i go ahead anyway We sing a wonderful old hymn, Standing on the Promises of God. Here's the problem with many of us. We're just sitting on the premises. (laughs) And God says, it's time to move forward. And the only way you're going to begin the life God has for you is to have the courage, the courage to follow Him. Do you have it this morning? Let's pray. If you're a Christian, I'm going to challenge you more in a moment, but I hope that you're willing to do whatever it is God's pushing on your heart about this morning. Some of you here, are not a, you're not Christians. You're unsure if you're a Christian. You're listening, you're watching by the Internet, you're listening this week. You don't know if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, but you're ready to cross that line. That's the entry point to the promised land. Pray with me. Pray with me and just say, Jesus... I'm a sinner, and I want to repent of my sins. And Jesus, I believe you're God's son, and that you died, and that you arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. Here's what we're going to do. Maybe you just ask Christ in your heart. Are you ready to do that? When we stand, would you come? I know it's hard. It takes courage. Come and talk to one of our ministers. If you want to wait till after church and catch one of us at a door, that'd be great too. Maybe you're here today and you'd like to join our church. We would love for you to join our church. You can do that after church. Or when we stand, you can come and join us. That may be one of the next steps God has for you in your journey. Come and join us today. Christian, you're at one of two places. Some of you, you don't have anything specific that God's laying on your heart about today. But you need to say with me, just like I don't. God, whatever it is, I'm saying yes. Some of you know. Maybe it is to break up that relationship, to get out of it.
Maybe it's to marry the person you're scared. Maybe it's to move halfway across the world or to stay here. Whatever it is, I challenge you, Christian, to say yes to Jesus. Let's stand.